My name is Danny Keating um, and thank you for attending Data Intensity's Oracle Workload Strategy Innovation Webinar Series. Um, the, the, the view really is to um, give you an insight into a couple of customer case studies that Data Intensity and our customers have been on in terms of their journey, um, the challenges they faced when uh, considering their cloud options and the, the, the risks associated to that, um, the benefits and, uh, and some of the insights that we can um, harness when looking to um, move our Oracle workloads into the public cloud. So in terms of just some uh, brief logistics, um, only panelists will be unmuted uh, and on camera at this event. Um, all attendees are automatically muted um, and should have their cameras off. If you've got any questions, um, please type them into the chat box um, and we'll endeavor to uh, answer them on the way through. Um, the purpose is to try and keep this uh, event as interactive as possible. So if you've got any questions that are um, front of mind as we go through this, then we'll endeavor to ask them, answer them as we go. So as mentioned, uh, I'm Danny Keating. I'm the Director of Global Alliance here at um, Data Intensity, and my role is responsibly for looking after the relationships between uh, Data Intensity and our partner channel and uh, Alliance ecosystem. Uh, so over the past sort of 18 months, that's been primarily focused on building the relationship with Microsoft, um, continuing our uh, ongoing uh, relationship with Oracle, and looking to sort of harness um, net new relationships with the likes of AWS and uh, Azure, uh, Azure and uh, Google, etc. Uh, I'm joined by a wealth of talent today. Um, you know, as mentioned, we've got two customers here um, and um, two senior directors and uh, VP within um, data intensity that are well placed to talk about the journey that DI have been on as well. Um, I'll hand over to to Simon first, and uh, Simon, if you could just say a brief description about yourself and um, and what brings you here today. Hi, yeah, cheers, Danny. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, my, my name is Simon Smith. Um, I work for a company called Cedril. We're an offshore drilling company. Uh, we work um, around the globe, so we have rigs operating as far as Singapore and Malaysia way, um, and then through to West Africa, Norway. Uh, Gulf of Mexico and those kind of regions. Um, so today, you know, I'm here to talk about uh, how we're moving uh, our Oracle EBS and, and some of our other Oracle products such as Hyperion from our on-premise data centers into the Azure cloud. Thank you, Simon. And Mark? Thanks, Danny. Um, my name is Mark Just. Um, I work for a company called uh, Arup who um, uh, work within the built environment, um, uh, global enterprise company there. And um, we're looking very much at the same thing from a, a strategy perspective of looking at how we can um, leverage uh, and move our um, platform, predominantly our, our Oracle, from uh, on-premise uh, into the cloud and, and the journey that that's taken. So essentially moving our heart and lungs of, of our business uh, into the cloud. Thank you, Mark. And uh, Bijou? Hello, everyone. This is Bijou Thomas, uh, Global Oracle Practice Lead at Data Intensity. Um, my background is all Oracle. Uh, I'm also an Oracle Ace Director. 
I helped these companies um, uh, and the cloud migration journey, um, analyzing the workload and then um, defining an architecture for the cloud. And lastly, Rich. Thank you. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, Rich Froble. I'm the Vice President of Product Management and Marketing. Uh, my primary goal in life is to bring more value-added services to our customers and uh, and bring them to uh, to the market at scale. And, uh, and uh, I'm glad to be here. So thank you for having me. So I, I guess before we sort of get started, um, I, I've asked Rich to sort of cover off um, a few things in terms of what's brought data intensity to, to this point. We've been on a journey ourselves. And Rich, if you could just give us a sort of brief synopsis of the journey that DI have been on, um, how we've got to uh, the point where we're at, you know, migrating uh, workloads to, to the public cloud and primarily what's our focus in, in, in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, so welcome everyone. Um, again, you know, uh, thank you for having me. Excited to to hear the stories that Mark and Simon could bring to the uh, uh, to the uh, roundtable. But first of all, I just want to say today's discussion. This isn't about data intensity. Um, this is about you know how we're helping customers and 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 learning about their successes and how they've developed uh, you know uh, strategic. Uh, core strategies and cloud transformation strategies for what we call their high high voltage Oracle powered workloads. And so just the, the you know what you see on the screen, we're a 20, 20 year platinum partner with Oracle. Um, we've been serving customers up and down the stack from the technical and the functional uh, for that period of time. And so we're experts at the tech speeds and feeds, availability, reliability, performance, security, all those great things. But we're also experts on the functional side in terms of how customers adopt uh, the, the technologies and platforms to automate and, and drive uh, their business processes and, and help them, you know, gain the investments that they're looking for. So in, in today's discussion, we think about this, um, it's really the reflection of these, uh, you know, the customers that we've got, uh, uh, you know, uh, C-Drill and AirUp and, and hearing the thought process that, that they had to go through. And uh, when we think about this, um, the, the guiding principles are based off of what we call our safe switch methodology, which is our primary uh, cloud migration strategy building platform and the TCOT, uh, as we've dubbed it, which is a total cost of ownership transformation assessment. And so if you think about SafeSwitch, it's the it's the migration methodology, right? All of the standardized methods that help us, you know, actually move workloads from a point to another point. Uh, the total cost of ownership transformation assessment is a three-staged model that allows us to really look at you know, the licensing position for customers, the workload analysis of where you are, mapping that to a, a cloud platform of their choice. It's an, you know, it's a cloud independent model. So we really meet the customer where they are and we think about it as, you know, the right cloud, uh, right services and, and the right licensing. And it all starts with the conversation of, okay, where are you and where do you need to be? And, and let's drive that conversation around uh, or through the lens of a total cost of ownership um, filter. And so, you know, if we think about this for a minute, and Danny, your your question around, well, how did we get here? Well, well, Data Intensity is not only a platinum partner, um, have been a platinum partner for 20 years in the business uh, with Oracle. We're also a customer, so we run EBS Financials, we're running uh, analytics and BI tools, and and so in order for us to transform our own business, we had to disrupt ourselves. And so, looking at how the world around us is changing in terms of, you know, driving cloud. Uh, workloads and gaining the benefits, uh, the economic benefits that you can uh, garner there. We also looked at it as how can we serve our customers better 
um, and you know improve our own business processes. So when we think about that, um, we actually developed the Safe Switch and the TCOT, and we were our first customer. Um, what it meant for us as a business, and you know we we looked at what we were spending on you know licenses, and you know do we have the right tools? Are we modernized where we need to be? And we ended up migrating uh, a good portion of our uh, financials piece and the analytics around that that actually drove down our uh, you know financial closing cycles from you know days down to hours. We're able to build new reports in in hours instead of days and weeks. Um, and and along the way, right, we were actually able to um, to generate a, a quarter of a million dollars in U.S. Uh, currency uh, in savings uh, over the life of a year. So. That's where the, the total cost of ownership savings started for us. And as we think about that, um, it, it's it's the driving force for how we are helping dozens of customers uh, think through this this process. And so, uh, what Danny's showing here are really the six decision gates, if you think about it, along the learn the, the learning path of okay, what are my challenges around Oracle? And frankly, what we see with um, most of our customers is the 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 Oracle workloads tend to be the last ones thought of in the in the cloud. Um, transformation journey and and our processes and methods are designed to help customers really unstick those workloads and, and find the right platform for you know the future of, of what that means it could be a combination of is pass and SaaS strategies um, but as we go through this um, think about this as a linear framework so Danny's going to moderate this discussion with the panel and you know we've got our experts uh, Bijou Thomas ace director and our customers that have deep knowledge of the Oracle workloads and the business um, outcomes that they're looking for and looking to achieve. So as we go through this conversation, this is sort of the guiding principle of the um, of the moderated conversation. So kind of digestible chunks. We're going to start with you know what was the challenge, and then what advice you know on the other end of the spectrum, what advice would you give to uh, peers in your industry and and that sort of thing. So Danny, I'm going to turn it back over to you, and uh, really looking forward to an engaging conversation. So thank you. Thank you, Rich. Um, so so I guess you know to to Sort of bring to bear where we're um, the the customer stories and and some of those um, bring to life some of those points Rich made. Um, Simon, you, you know when we engaged uh, with with Seagull, that you know it, it was paramount that the timing was was probably one of the key issues that that you had as an organisation. There was a a real time constraint on the um, the, the project and and the, the requirement to to move at pace. Um, could you just give us some insight into, I, I guess, where you are as an organization and what those what those problems were that you were facing and, you know, um, the, the, the strategy and the thought process into to, to getting, I guess, Oracle into um, a more performant, cost effective cloud platform, I guess. Yeah, certainly, Danny. Um, so so in terms of where where Cedro was, um, you know, we have had a cloud-first strategy for, for, for quite some while now. We had started to put various systems and workloads out into to cloud. We were um, primarily focusing around the Microsoft Azure cloud, um, but we took the decision probably 12, 18 months or so ago to say, um, you know, we, we truly want to adopt that cloud-first uh, strategy and move and migrate our current workloads, which is approximately 160-odd servers that we were um, or we have located in a, a, an on-premise data center style partnership um, into, into that cloud. Uh, the benefits that that would bring us is the speed at which we can um, manage and control those those uh, systems and services and virtual machines and 
you know, that's that's one of the key things, as well as reducing the price, because what we were paying to our on-premise vendor versus what we could potentially pay in, in the cloud was a, was a significantly different price from that point of view. So that was really sort of some of the, the, the key thoughts behind this and, and driving this. And and we, we very early on identified the fact that our Oracle EBS, um, I think has been mentioned, which was at the core of our business, you know, was was the first thing that we really wanted to understand what we're going to do that. And we wanted to partner with somebody who had the skills, knowledge and experience of that particular platform to be able to help us do that migration. And, and I guess, uh, you know, moving on, Mark, in, in that sort of sense of discussion, I mean, as, as Simon mentioned, we, we sort of had the same similar conversations with yourselves in, in, in many ways, you know, that that we're on this journey from a, a cloud perspective and looking to to sort of adopt change and um, and continue uh, I, I guess on their uh, growth as well um, you know in terms of some of those drivers and the decisions that were behind sort of Arab's move can you share some of those thoughts with us oh, absolutely and thanks Danny um, very, very similar to, to what Simon had mentioned in, in the fact that we were a cloud first um, and, and looking to drive from a cloud strategy, you know, our um, very diverse estate and, and, and put that up from an on-premise perspective into the cloud. Um, Oracle um, is a key platform for us because it predominantly looks after um, our EBS suite um, from from an organizational perspective um, but it's it's grown organically over the years and, and has become quite integral and quite complex and and bespokely grown in that nature so one of the key things for us and what we were trying to achieve was with this is is to become more agile in in what we were looking to achieve and, and one of the drivers on that is also to align to our overall strategy in in respect to cloud first so you know the challenges um and and one what drove us um through those challenges was obviously to um, make sure that we were supporting and maintaining and, and aligning with what the business needs and requirements and, and future-proof that, um, but also um, meet the demands from a business perspective, given that um, those were, were always challenging and, and people want those sort of things yesterday. So I think, I think the overall challenge for us was to um, look at that and because it's the hearts and lungs of, of what we do from an organizational perspective, it, it was critical that we, we measured on this um, you know, very well and made sure that we do it um, in, in, a timely, in a timely manner. We've been looking at this probably for about 18 months to two years as well um, from a time period point of view. Um, so we, we've been um, looking at this quite seriously um, from a perspective of what we need to do and what we need to achieve. Um, we have pr probably around about 40 to 50 workloads from a perspective of, of what we have to, to shift from that perspective. Um, and it predominantly sits um, within the UK region, but um, it serves the whole firm um, globally from that side of things. Thank you, Mark. And I, I guess, Biju, one for you. Um, in terms of the sort of we often hear when we're in conversations with with uh, prospective clients and our customers that you know that the cloud adoption has been well underway for two to three years. You know, customers have got their flavour of cloud and they're they're looking to to progress into sort of AWS or Azure or or, or whatever platform that they've decided on. Um, we're often finding Oracle being sort of the 
you know the anchor in these data centers to to, to completely adopt change and you know Bijan, what's your experience in terms of you know how to sort of bridge that gap and start focusing on those oracle work workloads i think you know quite often it feels like it's almost put into the too difficult bucket so it's just left to to the side yeah, yeah, that is true. I mean, like normally when we um, talk about migrating Oracle workloads, I mean, we usually think about, or the customer usually thinks about lift and shift. And that lift and shift usually, uh, that translates into, okay, we, if we have 16 CPUs on-prem, we'll allocate 16 CPUs in the cloud, uh, the same amount of storage or whatever. So we try to architect or the customer tries to architect I mean, that's a, that's the first mistake. I mean, many people make, right? Because uh, you try to architect your cloud architecture or the cloud platform similar to or exactly mimic what your on-premise. I mean, that's that, that might work for some applications, but most applications, especially Oracle, that may not be the case. I mean, you may be using different technologies like Rack or other DataGuard and other technologies. When you migrate to cloud, I mean, there are other technologies available uh, for Azure, for example, uh, the Azure Site Recovery or things like that, or Azure Backup. Uh, so different technologies are available. So we need to understand what the, the application or the workload requirement is. So we look at the, the AWR reports, and that's a, it's a good wealth of information available uh, in the database. And that gives um, a good view of uh, the, the compute requirements, the storage requirements, and what type of storage you want, what is the IOPS requirement, what throughput requirement, all of that. Then if you take the workload requirement and map that to cloud and then then map the native cloud technologies, I mean, that architecture is going to be different. And you may not see uh, the, the, the straight lift and shift, but from, a, from an application standpoint, from a technology standpoint, it may be uh, a lift and shift because you may not be changing the database version. You may not be changing the, the application version. You may not be changing the, the OS platform. I mean, it's all going to be the same. Um, so it is basically rehosting to the to the cloud with the, the right architecture and the, and the right compute needs. And I guess it's fully understanding those Oracle requirements. I mean, quite often we hear some of the cloud vendors talking about sort of moves to Postgres or um, to, to MySQL. And I guess some of those um, issues that, that come to bear when we, we, we need to understand those Oracle workloads, for instance, those sort of e-business suite platforms that have to stay on Oracle and exactly. um, that doesn't mean we that we can't adopt change I guess that, that is true I mean uh, I mean some workloads are are easy to migrate to Postgres or SQL Server or some other platform um, or, or any other uh, open source platform but applications like e-business suite I mean they they are very much focused on and you you definitely need Oracle at the back end I mean e-business suite doesn't work with any other database in the background back end and and you also uh, with the current uh, version or the latest version of e-business suite you have other requirements like you need access to the database server so it can only be an IIS uh, or 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 a, or a service where you have access to the backend operating system, so things like that. And so there are uh, several restrictions around uh, the e-business suite application. But similarly, I mean, even if you are developing a custom application, we need to look at the, what is the application requirement, what are the requirements for the application, uh, what kind of access. I mean, does it work with a PaaS service or or a SaaS service? I mean, SaaS um, uh, migration is always going to be uh, a re-implementation, right? But um, on, on the past, I mean, some uh, vendors offer uh, like AWS RDS or OCI uh, has some past services on the database. But some applications work with uh, those those cloud offerings also. So but I guess, 
A question to, to, to both yourself, Mark and, and Simon, you know, in terms of, you mentioned that you've been on that journey for 18 months. So, you know, a similar trait to what we see in, our, in many organizations, we're on a cloud journey, we've got, you know, 365 implemented, we've got our Windows workloads in, um, in the cloud, you know, and we're starting to adopt and, uh, and create change. I guess, at what point in that journey did, did it, the realization, I mean, there's so many different choices that you've got when it comes to the business rig platform. Do you rip and replace with SaaS? Do you, um, you know, lift and shift or what we call move and improve into, into a public cloud environment? Um, I guess, Mark, if you want to just sort of give us a, a view of when, the, the, the view of the sort of Arabs world in terms of making that decision of what you're going to do with Oracle and, uh, and some of those deciding factors. Sure, Danny. I, I, I think the the decision on, on this one um, was pr primarily aligned to what we were focusing on from a, a, a DT or an, an IT strategy point of view um, initially, but it's evolved as we've gone through the, the journey. Um, and uh, I think it also aligns to the business strategy and, and what they look to achieve. But one of those things is is they also don't go necessarily hand in hand. And one of the, the some of the challenges that we face there is is the the timing piece and and making sure that you know we we deliver a performant and um, a capable system of being able to adapt. And it goes back to my point that I made earlier about being agile and, and being able to work with the business in a, in a more agile way, whereas historically these things have grown over 20, 15, 20 years where they currently sit. It's it's now from a driver perspective of that, you know, the, the strategy is it's time to, to make a change, get get in a position that we lay the foundation to to grow from and you know this this exercise and, and doing what we've done here today allows us to do that um, it gives us that visibility and, and that overall sight of, of what is achievable and gives us those options and, and directions so I think that's really key in what we were looking to do is understand what are our options um, and, and this this exercise allowed us to give us those that visibility that holistic view and, and understand how we move forward in, in an educated way I guess, Simon, from a procedural perspective, you know, anything different there in terms of the, the, the approach or I guess one of the things that we sort of had more of an emphasis on was the the pace of which we needed to change a procedural compared to, to our once that decision was made. But I guess, you know, you both mentioned earlier on that, it's that it was an 18-month process, but then we, we sort of flipped to a, a quicker rate of change at procedural than we we're doing it sort of Arab in, in, that, in that sense. Yeah, I think I think for us it was it was about building that initial business case to understand uh, you know what what a migration to a cloud would actually mean, um, getting the um, corporate sponsors and, and and senior management buy into that process, um, and then obviously there's there's the, all the other RFP processes that you need to go to to choose well which cloud do we go to. We actually looked at um, for potential uh, target clouds uh, in terms of, you know, your AWSs, your Azure. Um, we did even reach out to, to Oracle to look at OCI, um, you know, and, and there was another private one that we looked at. So that was really what was kind of tied up in, in, in the process. But yeah, once we made the decision, once we'd selected the partner, once we selected the clouds, for us, it was about let's get this workload moved. 
Um, you know, we have got some complications with our uh, Oracle EBS as well in terms of we were running an out-of-date database, so we are also in the process of, of upgrading that to, to a 19C database. Um, and again, you know, this is some of the stuff that we're just trying to tackle. Um, and, you know, we're a month and a half into uh, the, 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 the main workload um, and we should be completing the migration hopefully in uh, six to eight weeks time. Um, and that's that should be all 160 servers across um, and Oracle EBS, um, you know, redeployed onto a 19C database. So, you know, pace was key to us because obviously what we were focusing on was what's this costing us to host this in our current platform um, and, and the cost savings that cloud can provide from that point of view. And I guess, Simon, that's a, a great point for sort of Bijou to, to, to lean in on. Uh, Bijou, one of the things that we, we are seeing is that, you know, there is a common sort of, uh, sort of thing that we're, you know, a, co a common uh, result in what we're seeing in a lot of the customers and the investigations and the assessments we run is that, you know, it, it's common, it seems to be in practice that these, we are coming across these 12C databases, the 11G, Oracle yeah. environments, Linux environments that are slightly out of date, and you know that that migration can seem daunting, I guess, for for to to look at it and also then start thinking about the the migration. But there are options enabled, you know, enabling us to to take advantage of upgrading while we go. Yeah, I mean, one one uh, common um, upgrade we recommend is uh, a 19C database upgrade if the application supports uh, 19C database. And, and uh, to Simon's point, I mean, we also uh, saw that in uh, in Cedril. So when uh, the eBusiness Suite database was migrated to 19C, I mean, there are other uh, supporting applications, the the uh, the eBusiness Suite that support eBusiness Suite that required an, an application upgrade because those applications are running on an older version that doesn't support 19C. So they had to go through like up upgrading their Cofax and other supporting applications uh, to a later release so that they can support 19C, then uh, migrate uh, eBusiness Suite to the cloud with the 19C database. So, so I mean, the, the integration is a, is a key point also, right? I mean, it's not, eBusiness Suite never is going to be a, a standalone application. I mean, you have a lot of supporting applications with, uh, I mean, any, any ERP you take, I mean, it doesn't matter, eBusiness Suite or JDE or PeopleSoft or, I mean, any, any, um, ERP, you have you have supporting applications, so you also need to look at what can it support a database upgrade uh, during the cloud migration, um, things like that. So, but we do see that I mean, let's, there are several uh, 11.2 databases. I mean, not even 11.204. I mean, 11.203, which is a, a patch level lower than the supported supported version. So we see a lot of 11.203, 11.202 databases out there. Uh, 12C databases um, uh, that that are uh, migrating to the cloud, and some sometimes the application uh, doesn't support, so we we migrate as is and with a plan or a roadmap to migrate or upgrade them to 19C after the after the migration. Thank you, Bijou, and I, I guess that leads on, um, Simon. If you don't mind, just sort of covering off. I mean, one of the things that um, you, you touched upon is you had to go through sort of RFP processes and and you know was, was there any point within that process that you thought about doing the Oracle migration yourself and you know potentially taking on the upgrade or was it always going to be something that you were going to look at um, reaching out to a partner for? No, I, I, 
we obviously have an internal team that supports and manages our KBS. So from that point of view, we, we have done sort of upgrades in the past using that team in situ. But here, because we're looking to go, you know, from our old 11.204 database to a 19C, there are a few other bits and pieces that we're tweaking in there. We've got some, some OS upgrades as well, as we've got some old environments that we're running on. I think they were Red Hat 5.6 and they needed to come up to 7.9. Um, and, and all the surrounding bits and pieces, you know, what we wanted to make sure is we had the right people and the right advice to help us in moving that Oracle EBS workload and its component parts. You know, it's 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 more than that. We have iSupply, we have Apex, we have OAM as well that kind of sits along the outside this. So, you know, we we wanted to make sure that when we lifted and shifted this into the cloud, we did it right and we weren't, um, you know, putting ourselves at risk of, of uh, you know, getting the, the sizing and the compute power wrong and also the licensing side of it. So, you know, this is where we wanted to make sure that uh, we were working with somebody who was an Oracle partner and, and could help us and assist us in that matter. And I think it's fair to say in, in both cases, um, we've come in and sort of worked alongside existing partnerships and uh, and and the relationships you've got. And I guess, Mark, from, from your perspective, you know, that 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 sort of engagement model where we've been able to to coexist and and collaborate with existing engagements and ongoing projects, um, it, you know, uh, the the existing team and um, surrounding ecosystem you had. What were the driving benefits to to, to bringing in that sort of Oracle expertise? Yeah, I mean, thanks, Danny. I I think the the key for us was that. We had we had a team that would support the on-prem estate. Um, it was a lean team, and um, obviously um, there, there was a team that that supported you know the whole stack and the application stack. And but at the same time, there wasn't a lot of knowledge on on how um, to put that into the cloud and and to work in, into the cloud. So there, there was a need to work with a partner that that had that um, capability. There was a need to understand and measure what we currently had and, and um, look at what that would look like in the cloud and what it, and how it would perform um, given the complexities and, and the overall um, challenges that, that that would face while still making sure that um, we keep the lights on from a, a business as usual perspective and I think that that is um, really was really key for us um, that we measured you know uh, around what we currently had as an estate, looking at the licenses, you know, from a compliance perspective and making sure we were completely open and visible on that and there were no shocks um, and, and we understand. And, and then that progressed into the um, architecture discussions and, and what would look best from a performance and then looked to, to do a proof of concept um, with respect to how that achieved and, and how that would, would operate given um, the challenge that we had given the complexity and diversity of, of what we were looking to to drive and and it gave us that confidence you know working with someone that's done there been there driven that we'd working before with to to be able to to drive that forward for us could then resilient and we could hands up go to our senior execs within the business and and, and with confidence state that you know this is the way and the direction forward for us and I guess that last and seeing piece mark was quite packed uh, paramount to that in in terms of the leadership confidence in in ensuring that there was no sort of exposure or risk that, at that point that was very significant from from that sort of thing to 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 raise that that visibility and understand knowing that 
um, the foundation had to be right there from what we were looking to achieve, that you, we didn't want any shocks coming out of this. I mean, it's a shock from an existing current commercial model when you move from an on-prem estate and into a, a cloud estate anyway, from that perspective. And one of the last things you, you'd want was uh, to, to work out that you've got a bill of, of millions on the on the other side of that after you've already paid millions to, to shift it from one to the other. Thank you, Mark. And I, I guess a quick question for yourself, Rich. In, in, in that, um, you know, listening to, to, to both Mark and Simon, from, from a perspective of DI, you mentioned earlier on that we've been on this journey ourselves and that, We've created this sort of model that, that enables this change in um, methodology. In terms of the, the ongoing journey that DI are on, how are we aligning to those customer needs and uh, and creating those um, capabilities to, to you know in essence present to the senior decision makers in organisations to help them um, make the tough calls, I guess. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it, the, the, the TCOT, the Total Cost of Ownership Transformation Assessment, drives the um, the decision points, if you will. So the data that we provide, you know, looking at your enterprise license position as licensing experts and reducing risk and optimizing cost structures there, um, running the workload analysis and understanding, okay, here's what you've got, and uh, let's let's look at that from a size, capacity, performance perspective, and then. You know, when you look at that as a cloud mapping exercise, it's a cloud independent strategy. So in many cases, a customer will tell us, hey, we want to look at this. Uh, we want to look at this cloud. We want to look at that cloud. In Simon's example, they 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 analyzed four different clouds and we were able to provide the data that said, here's where you are. Here's what you have. Here's what it's going to look like on a new cloud. And oh, by the way, the cost of ownership also includes the management services and other things. So, you know, in addressing some of the lean nature of some of our teams or our customers and, and how they are staffing, we've got that at scale. And so we can provide that technical and functional, you know, uh, capabilities across the, the board. But ultimately, um, the assessment report actually drives the, the data points that our customers' teams and leadership teams can rely on to make a confidence-based decision to say, yeah, this is the right path. We've analyzed all of the technology aspects. We've looked at the licensing. We understand what it's going to take to, you know, drive that into a cloud. You're going to get the economic advantages here, here, and here. And um, and you can actually, you know, leverage that as a business case foundation. So that's how we're, that's how we're helping. Thank you, Rich. And I, I guess that kind of leads on nicely to, Mark, we've touched upon some of those sort of proof points that that enabled those um, senior decision makers to, to to come on the journey with you as such and in that essence I mean I know that you you touched along touched upon a few teams within data intensity and you know how did that TCOP process really create the value for um, your C team for instance and and how they then sort of um, got behind the project and helped you adopt the change that you were um, wanting to make I think the, for, for us, it was the the ability for us to talk um, at a, an exec level all the way down to an engineer level um, and, and align on the process the whole way through. So um, we, we got the, the right people involved, um, the right questions were asked, the confidence was gained right from, from the grassroots. Um, all, all the way up to um, those making the decisions and, and, and putting things on paper in respect to the, the commercial side of things and, and giving that confidence. And I think that's really, really important um, given the um, 
nature of what we were looking to do and, and the systems that we were looking to shift um, because obviously we, we were looking to, to represent um, the, the key and senior stakeholders within the business and we had to give them that confidence that you know that's what we were looking to, to do so um, I think the journey was is that you know it, it was lifting the hood you know and, and, and deep diving right into the analysis aspect of this to, to, to garner what we were looking to achieve and, and I think that you know, I come from an adjective, you measure twice and cut once from, from that perspective. And, and this is definitely a process of, of us measuring twice and giving us that confidence um, and having the right people to ask the questions to along that journey, which gives us the full holistic view and, and the options to move forward. I think it's the, the diversity of, of what this gave us wasn't just here's, here's your estate. And, and this is where you're going to, it was the fact that it looked at all the different um, cloud options, it looked at the architectures, it gave the best hybrid option to what was best for the, the estate that currently exists and where it was going to. I think that was the, the, the really important part of the journey for us. Thank you, Mark. And I, I think you covered off a, a question that we, we were asked um, regarding sort of what stakeholders were were involved and you, you've really mentioned there the engineering teams all the way through to senior decision makers and um, and everybody in between. Simon was that a similar experience to yourself and you know from a from an oracle perspective from a you know the TCO point of view and being able to analyze the, the, the licensing and some of those workload requirements is that something that you felt that you could do yourselves or is uh, not specifically, no. Uh, so, you know, that was part of our journey that we're going on is to understand how we can better um, fine tune our, our Oracle environment. For us, um, you know, the bigger analysis that we did was was just that that hosting cost part of it, um, and and what we were having to pay for for these kind of bits and pieces. So, so we were quite fortunate from that point of view in terms of the sell was an easier one from us. But, you know, this isn't where the journey stops. You know, for us, it continues and we will then move on to saying, well, OK, how can we further re refine and fine tune um, those workloads and that management uh, to, to, to give us, you know, further cost savings or whatever else. But at this point, for us, the lift and shift from on-premise to cloud was sufficient to justify, you know, that, um, uh, that, that work and that project to go ahead. Um, but obviously, our, the senior stakeholders, so our, our chief information officer, needed to know that we weren't going to drop the ball when it came to the Oracle EBS and that we had this being handled uh, in a safe pair of hands. Thank you. And I, I guess, Bijou, we, we see a lot of different sort of ranges of requirements and, uh, and, and needs within sort of the, the conversations we're having from you know, accelerating a, a lift and shift mentality versus, you know, more of a we've got time to 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 to, to land and, and improve in the same uh, migration. What helps that sort of customer um, view on that, Bijou, and you know, some of the things that we look to typically uh, assist with in in that process. So move and improve um, uh, is, is an option, right? I mean, we talked about the, the database upgrades. So that's one thing we do. And another option to look into, uh, sometimes maybe look into is consolidation. Uh, I mean, right now you may not want to make too many architecture changes and stuff, but once you are in the cloud, I mean, you have option to consolidate the workload or you can go with a different architecture 
um, if you want to go with uh, a, a container uh, database and a pluggable database of the application supports I mean that architecture options so there are I mean uh, as some Simon mentioned I mean it's not ending there I mean the migration and you you, you are not stopping there I mean you the, the cloud I mean you have a lot of opportunities I mean you can look at the technologies you can look at uh, uh, the the cloud native offerings I mean uh, with uh, with OCI or Azure or AWS I mean they have the applications the technologies so how do you build your new applications I mean that that viewpoint i mean that changes i mean it is not the same way you you don't build your applications your new applications or or enhancements to the applications the same way you did it on-prem it is it is a different approach i mean you have different technologies available um different tools available so that approach differs so it is a, it's a gradual change from what you are doing what you're used to 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 more streamlined and more uh, efficient methodologies uh, and, and and also the technologies you can you can look into and I guess with that sort of said, and thank you, Vijay, I guess one of the things that um, Mark, you mentioned earlier on in terms of that sort of that, the result, the presentation of those results, um, you know, what were the leading factors in the, the, the decision making process as to realizing that you know azure was the right platform for your oracle workloads versus any other any of the other clouds that that, that were uh, on the table and you know what did you harness out of the the engagement that that helped you make that this that decision i think um really when, when we started this this journey um we were undecided in in that factor and i think the the key thing for us is um it, it had to um, make sense across the holistic view of what we were trying to achieve. It wasn't just about the one aspect. Um, it, it had to be performant. It had it had to make sense that it was the right platform to go to and um, that it architecturally made sense from an infrastructure point of view. It made sense that um, it, it aligns to from a strategy point of view of what was our you know primary um, uh, estate and, and then Microsoft Azure is is our one of our um, major primary um, cloud estates. Although we do have others that we work with um, uh, across the major four as well. So, but it, it, it's more about how that aligned and, and going through that journey to understand you know that it, it was the best fit um, and being pragmatic about the workloads and the and the bespoke nature and the complexity of, of what we were doing as a solution because um, everything it, it wasn't just necessarily about Oracle because things had connected there were integrations to consider there are other complexities to to look at there um, and we had to look at that given the diverse nature of, of how data um, integrated and worked with with that platform across other systems um, which which made up um, the platform so um, on, on all of that, it, there were a lot of combinations of decisions and, and, and hence why the journey has been complex. Along the fact that um, when we started the journey, um, things have changed and decisions have changed from a business perspective and also from a technology perspective along that had to be informed and and um, be considered as part of that process. So it wasn't um, as much as the, here was a decision and this is where we were going. It was it was part of the overall decision to, to take this in a logical framework um, and, and come to that informed decision as we were going along the journey. And I guess, Mark, that's one of the big challenges, isn't it? You mentioned 18 months in, in the making and, you know, the speed of changing cloud technology 
uh, within 18 months and the different methodologies and the the, the, the ways that you can uh, approach things uh, and maybe staffing changes within the organization with different approaches you've you've got to really wrestle with all of that, those internal factors and external um, factors as well yeah I mean that that was absolutely um, key and and then um, uh, throwing in the pandemic in between that um, has, has yeah, added to the, the, the challenge as well but uh, um, overall um, from, from 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 that aspect I mean resource capacity capability um, the, the challenges and, and the fact that when you're moving these sort of workloads you don't really get downtime and and understanding because um, there's there's month ends from a finance perspective there's year ends um, so usually you get about two to three weeks uh, of um, airspace in a month where you can even touch these sort of systems so it's aligning of what that is from a technology perspective but also the needs and the challenges around um, infrastructure um, complexities and challenges that sit in the back end you know um, you mentioned about um, database versions and things like that and upgrades to align from this it, it, it all aligns to this agility piece it's one of the key things that we were looking to move to as well because you've got aging kit you've got um, other aspects from an infrastructure perspective which also formed part of the equation thank you mark and i guess simon from your perspective the decision making process in in, in why um, the cloud platform that you chose i mean what, what were some of those deciding factors and you know how different if at all um was the sort of decision making process to, to to the one that mark was on I, th I think the the key for us is when we when we looked at all these different platforms um you know, th there were various pros and cons uh, across the piece. You know, when we looked at, say, uh, the OCI, the advantage that you get there is obviously um, they know Oracle EBS, they know the licensing models, they know the platform. So, you know, the infrastructure that you can deploy in OCI, you know, is kind of geared up to, to, to run that kind of thing. However, that doesn't necessarily work so well when you look at all the other systems that you potentially want to host and manage from that point of view. So, you know, that was some of the thoughts. We looked at it. We looked at obviously AWS as well, um, which, you know, from that perspective, um, offered everything that we potentially did. You know, you talked about RDS that's, that's potentially available, so you can run sort of platform as a service for Oracle out that way. Um, but kind of where we ended up with, with Microsoft was in part swung by the announcement that Microsoft made probably was it 18 months or so ago, where they had partnered up with Oracle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the fact that you had now got this partnership evolving between Microsoft and Oracle themselves, the fact that you now had the Azure OCI uh, network interconnect uh, and these kind of bits and pieces. So this was something that, that certainly when we were looking at this said, well, OK, if this doesn't work out and we maybe need to go to a hybrid cloud kind of model, we could potentially run our Oracle EBS workloads in OCI and use the Azure interconnects. To, to sort of give us that almost seamless uh, network connectivity between the two. So, you know, that was one of the things that sort of fed into it from us was sort of that where Microsoft and Oracle were kind of evolving their relationship um, and, and what that meant in terms of our Oracle EBS. Thank you, Simon. And I guess that's a quite an interesting point you, you, you touch upon there. And Rich, it's certainly one of the decision-making processes DI have been on over those last 18 months is you know leveraging and and taking into account that oracle and microsoft relationship and what it means to customers 
Um, you know, how have DI been on that journey over the last 18 months? And what are those some of those tangible benefits that we're, we're seeing out of that relationship? With respect to that, um, you know, what it offers the market is extensibility and interoperability, right? And, and so Simon's, Simon's point is spot on in terms of how you look at, okay, I, I, it, you know, cloud, think about cloud as a means to an end. Uh, there are different options. And, you know, if you look at Oracle's strategy around their IS, PaaS, and SaaS, great or, you know, great technology and application dissemination strategy, uh, but customers don't just use one stack. Right, they're, they're, you know, 75% of the customers we see are running both Oracle and Microsoft, um, and everybody's on the cloud journey. They're somewhere, and so you know, when we kind of come back to this, what what is the right uh, cloud platform and the right cloud strategy for a given workload or set of workloads? That's what we provide the the lens for the customers to think through and make those C level confident decisions for you know these what we keep calling these high voltage workloads. So. Um, the, the general perspective is it, it offers the extensibility and interoperability for two powerhouses in the industry, and it doesn't force you to go down one path or the other. You can have your cake and eat it too on some level. So that's the way we think about it. Thank you, Rich. And um, just conscious of the time, so I'll sort of um, cover off really just the, the, the final piece from, from the, um, the perspective of execution and migration. I mean, if you could sort of Mark, if you want to go first, just highlight the two biggest challenges um, that you faced when you were sort of planning that migration. And, you know, if you have if you could give any advice to, to the peers listening in into this conversation, what would be your sort of key takeaway here? I think the, 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 the two biggest challenges um, were, were initially understanding um, the problem. Um, and, and understanding what you were looking to achieve, and I think that um, is 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 the point of d digging down and understanding the whole picture of your your, your current estate, and 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 pulling that out. And and then the the, the second challenge around that is is then well, where where do you then put it? You know, um, you have so many choices out there, and and there are so many options. And um, very much to Simon's point earlier in respect to the OCI Azure. Um, relationship that was that was on our minds as well, and and but there were also other options that we we needed to consider, and and that added to the complexity. So, I think um, looking at that, but I think um, I think the sort of to add and pull that all together, you you then have an understanding of of, of the commercial aspects, which which are, are a massive um, a challenge in that respect, because it's not straightforward, it's not complex. Um, sorry, it's not uh, simple in respect to what you're looking to achieve with Oracle um, when you look at the licensing model and and how you move that forward and making sure that you get that right model. And I think what I would say to anyone is is that don't take this lightly and think that it's a a, sh a short journey. Um, Whatever you do, go in there with um, an expectation of being pragmatic, um, being flexible around what you need to do, because I think the the overall goal is to understand it fully so that you're making an informed decision of what you're trying to achieve to set your foundation and grow in the future. I think that that would be the key. I think we're, we're, we're just about at that stage now, um, you know, and it took us a long while to, to get that because of the in, inter 
connectivities from a business perspective, not just this process itself. It's it's those strategies, it's that business um, uh, challenges that come up along the way as well that sit completely off to the side and in parallel with what you're trying to achieve with this driver. Thank you, Mark. That's um, an awesome answer. And, you know, um, Simon, to, to yourself in, in terms of just summarising those challenges and, and counsel, um, any takeaways from yourself? Yeah, I think I think the couple of things that I would talk about would be um, kind of focus on the important things to you when you're doing that migration. You know, it's so very easy to say these are all the transformation changes I can make. You know, I can revolutionise my estate and, and systems and services and how it all works and whatever else. You know, for us, we focus purely on the how we could kind of lift and shift to, to save us on those uh, the hosting cost. But along the way, obviously, there were certain things that we need to change. You know, Bijou talked about, um, you know, we had certain systems that interacted with Oracle where we're doing the 19C upgrade. So we need to do some, some upgrades there. It's kind of limit what you want to do for this phase um, and, and do it piecemeal from that point of view. So you get the core bits done, complete, and then you can kind of move on and say, how am I going to evolve and change that? Um, you know, and, you know, I think the other thing as well is, is it's it's never going to be straightforward it's never going to be easy you know but try and prioritize try and look at those workloads and and, and move it and you know you'll you'll get there in the end and and take the business with you you know we were very important that we set up a communications plan out with the rest of the organization so it wasn't just seeing you know it is you know moving to the cloud or whatever else we explained what this is, does and how it fitted into the business's organization and again, one of the benefits it brings us, you know, being in the cloud as a company that operates from Singapore all the way down around to Mexico, we now have access to the, is it 40 or 50 or so data centers that Microsoft offer around the globe? So, you know, for us, if we want to deploy a system and we have done this for, for one of our Brazilian offices, you know, we can locate that system in, in the Brazil data center for Azure and give the users that improved service, but they're still under control and management of Cedral as a whole. We wouldn't have had that capability, you know, had we stuck with an on-premise provider. So, you know, it's it's there. Thank you both, and you know, uh, likewise, I mean, uh, fantastic answers there. I, I guess, Fiji, one we we've had a question um, regarding sort of the, um, I guess, how secure. One of the questions that we typically get and uh, and comes up a lot is, you know, how secure is the the, the running Oracle on public cloud and, you know, what, what are the back, backup capabilities and strategies that we can follow in, for instance, Azure AWS and, you know, it, from, from that perspective, how do we choose the right migration strategy for those database workloads? Yeah, I mean, we, we often get that, the, the security concern, right? I mean, the cloud is in fact more secure than on-prem in, in, in many regards. But um, uh, with respect to Oracle or Oracle database, I mean, there are a uh, few database options uh, available and, and they work fine in the in the cloud. I mean, like the, the, the table space encryption or 
um, the advanced security option and stuff, which is uh, it comes uh, naturally or by default on OCI, but on other platforms we can implement those with uh, no problem. The advanced security option, the the the, the encryption, and also um, uh, for not I mean, this is applicable on on-prem also the data masking and subsetting. I mean where you wanna mask sensitive data in your lower non-prod environments, I mean that is possible. And um, natively, the, the storage, uh, there is storage encryption, there is backup encryption available in, the, in this cloud provider. So that uh, the, the data at trust, uh, I mean, that, that encryption is available. But if you want the live data, the, the, the database, table space level encryption, I mean, then we go with the, the Oracle product of uh, advanced security and then uh, do the encryption there. Um, so. Yeah. Thank you, Bijan. So, so I, you know, I think that brings us up quite nicely to the end of the, the hour. Um, you know, I hope we've covered off all of the questions. I don't think we've got any questions left. Um, if there are any questions, I'm sure um, Bijou, Rich, Mark and Simon are available, you know, to, to connect with on uh, LinkedIn or, um, you know, please do drop us a line and I'm sure we can cover off any questions or, or topics you want to, to, to discuss. Um, there is a link um, if you're interested in on this journey yourself and, and would like to um, investigate whether the TCOT assessment process would be good for yourselves, then, you know, uh, please uh, follow the link that, that's on this presentation. We will make the presentation available to you all. Um, I guess just to, to, to summarise, I think what I took away from this today is that, you know, there is a a complexity when looking at moving and migrating Oracle um, and in particular understanding the the workloads um, that Bijou touched upon and uh, and how those translate from a licensing point of view as Mark uh, sort of um, briefed and how important that was for their business to, to, to cover off and then that those abilities then enable us to move at pace and as Simon mentioned there's that capability to, to do this quickly if, if need be but it's understanding and taking the time up front to to to, to get the uh, building um, blocks um, correctly placed and, and and enabling speed of change. Um, as mentioned, it's been great having you all here, and you know, um, fantastic panel uh, today, um, and and appreciate them, uh, Mark and Simon, for joining in here. Um, and as mentioned, if there's any conversations or questions that you have, then please reach out to us all. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Cheers, thank you. Thanks all. Take care. Bye-bye.